American politics may as well happen, happen in Greek for all it's worth. They do funny elections and funny things in the United States. One person who understands it better than most is Brooke Spector, the U.S. policy expert, associate de- editor at the Daily Maverick. These midterm elections, Brooke Spector, which have brought the Republicans into control in the U.S. Senate. Explain, please, the dynamics and the, and the rules of what happens at this time of year. Good evening, Bruce. Well, it, it's, it's really quite simple. I mean, the president's elected on a four-year cycle. The House of Representatives, the lower house, all 435 members of them, are elected on two-year cycles so that every time there's a presidential election, they get elected, but then also two years thereafter. And the Senate, the upper house, 100 members, one-third of them get elected every two years for six-year terms. In effect, you're looking at today opinions today, two years ago, and four years ago. Um, this time around, of course, uh, there were a great many Senate Rep- Democrats uh, who were up for re-election, or their seats were. Uh, these are people who had been elected in the uh, 2008 election when, of course, Barack Obama won his uh, near landslide. And so this turned out to be, even apart from all the other things, something of a bad year mathematically for the Democrats. Uh, You add to that the feeling of unease on the part of many people toward Barack Obama's leadership, and you have the recipe uh, for the beginning of the cake that looked like something of a midterm election disaster for the Democrats. Well, they knew they were going to get a a trouncing. Is the trouncing bigger than even they'd expected? It is a little bit. They thought that they were going to be able to hold some of the seats uh, that were close, Uh, in states that we now call purple, that is, poised between Democratic and Republican majorities. Uh, They lost some of those. Uh, They also lost a significant significant, number of governorship races, and uh, those come on various cycles. But again, there were a fair number of democratically held governorships, and they lost a lot of those even in states where the Democrats hold significant majorities, places like Connecticut and Maryland. So it's you take it as a whole. Uh, in the White House, they are not very happy campers. Uh, okay, so uh, there's been a big change now. The Republicans then are in charge of the Senate. Are the Senate and Congress the same thing? Well, the Senate, I mean, we have a two-chamber legislature in the United States. The Senate is the upper house, 100 members, two per each state. House of Representatives is the lower house, and it's basically divided on the basis of population. If you have a small population state uh, like Alaska or Rhode Island, you get very few members. If you have a large population state like California, Texas, New York, Illinois, Florida, you get a great many members. And it roughly parallels population in that sense. Okay, so do do the Republicans control both the Senate and Congress now? Now they control both houses. Uh, They don't have enough to override a presidential veto. Let's say, say for sake of argument, the Congress, uh, in its Republican hat now, passes a piece of legislation that is uh, an anathema to the presidency, uh, a a straight-out repeal of the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare. They just say they pass something like that. Barack Obama has the right to veto such a bill. That is to say, sorry, it does not become a law. But then the, then the Congress would have to have a significant majority beyond the simple one, uh, you know, 50% plus one majority 
to override that veto. Okay. Republicans didn't get quite that much for the most part. Well, this is our big five feature. So we're interested in why this matters to South Africa. And I suppose what we're going to see is lots of people with very smart haircuts and very stiff suits coming to visit us in South Africa, probably going around the world, um, sucking up to global leaders in the next couple of years. Well, there are a lot of, a lot of potential Republican candidates for the 2016 presidential election uh, are going to be busy burnishing their reputations and their experience as foreign policy experts or knowledgeable. They're going to want photographs of, of visiting foreign places and speaking with foreign leaders. And you're going to start to see a parade of such people <laughs> coming through here, uh, people you have never heard of, but they're going to come. Uh, there was once a guy called Barack Obama who came through and nobody wanted to see him, didn't he? That, that, that's an interesting tale. When he came through, he was a little-known senator from Illinois before he was nominated for the presidency. And there were really only two people who were desperate or interested in meeting him. One's a man by the name of Trevor Manuel, who used to be in the cabinet. <laughs> and the other was uh, Albie Sachs, who was a constitutional court justice, who arranged for him to come to the constitutional court. Those people had a good vision about what was going to happen. Uh, some other people probably should have spent more time thinking about meetings with him. Um, but, but do we care about the Republicans? Because one gets a sense that uh, what happens in Congress and in the Senate isn't necessarily what's ultimately reflected in the presidential vote. Um, we should be more worried about Hillary Clinton and whether or not she comes to visit, shouldn't we? Well, yes and no, Bruce. Yes and no. Uh, there's this little thing called a GOA. You may remember that. Yep. African Growth and Opportunity Act. It's not a treaty. It's U.S. law. And it comes up for renewal, uh, a change, or not at all uh, in 2015. That's just about a few, a few months from now. Yeah. And every congressional hit, uh, committee, whether they're in the Senate or the House of Representatives, every committee dealing with this legislation is going to be headed by a Republican. And if, uh, if countries like South Africa want this renewed version to pass, and if they want South Africa included in the provisions of AGOA, they're going to want to be able to demonstrate something appropriate that Republicans like to hear. Uh, uh, is, is AGOA a, demo, a Democrat initiative? Well, curiously, it was actually a bipartisan move. Okay. Um, it was first proposed uh, under the, at the very end of the Clinton administration, but the Republicans uh, took it upon themselves in the person of George W. Bush, to push it forward as well, because the argument was it was good for American business. Uh, the better the incomes there are in Africa, the more likely goods and services from America would be purchased, and so forth, the virtuous cycle in economics, which I'm sure you're familiar with. The problem is the argument can sometimes be phrased by African nations, leaders, and uh, opinion makers as something of a gift to Africa. Mm. and. That's the kind of language that Republicans just don't like to hear. Uh, there's also another problem in that we are very intent on being best friends with our BRICS neighbors, our BRICS friends, uh, to the expense of old world relationships. Is that a risk when it comes to dealing with the Republicans into the future? Well, let's take one, for example, um, the Russians. There's been some discussion about the, the interest the Russians have in selling a whole, whole boatload of uh, atomic reactors to this country. Yeah. And Part of the problem is the United States and some Western European countries have been intent on encouraging greater and stronger economic sanctions, financial sanctions on Russia, 
because of its bad boy behavior in Crimea and Ukraine. And any, I, I, it, you know, this is really projecting forward, but efforts that make it look like uh, the country is thumbing its nose at the West and giving a, you know, a kiss on both cheeks to the Russians for the importation and purchase of some very expensive, very large, uh, high-technology material may get some attention. I mean, the U.S. can't veto it. Uh, obviously, South Africa is an independent nation just like Russia is. But this enormously friendly, wondrously uh, chummy, chummy embrace is going to get some people a little bit concerned. It, uh, we, we tend to make friends with people like uh, Palestine and Iran, and um, you know, America tends to be more friendly with Israel. Um, um, do we have to watch who, we keep, who our best friends are? Well, again, sovereign nation, you do what you think is best. Uh, but it's the rubbing of people's noses in it that, mm. that's going to get people's attention. I remember years ago, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of old and I remember stuff like this. <laughs> um, I think I'm older than you are, Bruce. Possibly, a um, year or two. There was a, there was a particular cabinet member in this country old oh, ten, ten so years ago who explained that the arms deal was necessary to keep American troops from staging an amphibious assault on the Eastern Cape. And that's the kind of thing that people will remember eventually. Yeah. And uh, the the kind of gratuitous champion uh, championing of championing of uh, Palestinian rights or uh, Iran or whomever uh, in public forums that are certain to get headlines in the U.S. and certain to get the attention of powerful Republican congressmen, senators. People just need to take it, uh, take that under advisement. Just exactly how will things play in Washington? We all live in a twenty-four hour, seven-day-a-week news cycle that's worldwide. The stuff circles around very quickly, and you really want to avoid putting uh, the country in a situation where you, you you've basically gotten right up the nose of somebody in, in Congress. Brooke Spector, as always, you're a superstar. Thank you. The U.S. policy expert, associate editor at the Daily Maverick. Five reasons why a Republican victory in the Congress and the Senate matters to South Africa and how we have got to be playing our geopolitics a bit more smartly, perhaps, than we did under democratic control of those institutions.